Courtney Hinshaw, a third grade teacher from Orange County, California, who loves every picture book. And I believe that every picture book should be in every classroom. Join me to open the magic and learn how books changed my life. On this episode of Confetti Moments, I'm going to be sharing my top reading resource that I use in my classroom to get my kids to dive deeper into their thinking. It's called Talking with the Text. And I also share picture books that I use to model how to talk with the text. And then I just kind of talk to you about reading instruction in general. It's a really great time and I can't wait to open the magic with you. I'll be honest, when I first started to learn to read, I was just trying to survive. I was trying to read the words. I was trying to make some kind of comprehension out of it, but it was kind of a hot mess. And I don't think I really became a good reader until, oh my gosh, like college, maybe even my master's. I think well, I don't think I know. For so many years, I was really reading to read, and I wasn't reading to learn. Well, I was, and I had the ability to do so. It was so hard for me. Like, word problems and math. Oh, sweet baby Jesus. Not a fan. Um, but I didn't really understand why I was doing certain things when I read and how it really was going to help me become the reader that I am today. When I got my master's in reading, I was in a class where we started to annotate. I didn't even know what annotate meant. I was like, wait, what, what is that? Like who, what Rosenblatt with, you know, prior thinking and schema. And I don't, I didn't know, and it wasn't that I wasn't taught it. I just didn't make the connections at the time that I was taught. And I realized that making connections when you read and annotating when you read really helps your brain think about it. And the funny thing is, like I tell my kids all the time, you annotate whether you realize it or not. You're thinking about your reading. You're going back and you're saying, oh, like, I remember that, or that was funny, or I should probably highlight this because it seems important. And so I really love teaching my kids to annotate. Now, when you hear the word annotate, does that make you have a confetti moment? Probably not, unless you're like a reading guru, but it's not fun for the kids. And so what I have done is, well, first of all, when I first introduce annotating to my kids, I have created a song, which I will sing for you. I know you can't wait to hear my Grammy performance. And then also I play, um, I call it word man, because I don't like to call it hangman, but I play word man with the kids to guess the word together. And then we practice it and repeat it. And then I teach them, which we're going to dive in today, all about talking with the text. I can tell you, hands down, this is one of the best teaching resources I've ever created for my classroom because it gets my kids to be in-depth readers who really know how to attack and learn from the text. As we all know, you first learn to read the text, then as you get older, you have to be able to learn from what you read. All right, so the song, and you can use it in your classrooms, 
share it with the world, get Beyonce or Taylor Swift to sing it. But here we go. So it's called I'm a Good Reader. I'm a good reader. I'm a good reader who annotates the text, who annotates the text. All you need is a pencil. All you need is a pencil and a highlighter too. And a highlighter too. Don't forget the symbols. Don't forget the symbols. I'm a good reader. I'm a good reader who annotates the text. I know. Oh my gosh. Stop. You're, you're too nice. You're too nice. And I do have hand motions with it. So when we talk about um, holding up or when we talk about using the pencil, I have them hold up their pencil. And then when we talk about using a highlighter too, they hold up their highlighter. And then with the symbols, they do like flashing lights with their hands. And my kids love it. And third graders really love any song that we sing. So it's fantastic. And then I have them, actually, you know, before we sing the song, I have them do the word man. And so I have them guess what it is. Normally, they don't get it. We work through it together. And then I tell them the word is annotating. And it means to think about what you're reading and apply it in so many different ways. And I love it. I, you know, I, I think it's great. It's fun. And um, then we sing the songs and the boys get so into it. And they're like dancing across my classroom and they get them up. And again, if you build those relationships with your kids and you have fun, they will learn. And so we do that. And then I teach them about talking with the text. And I will link the resource below so you can see it. It is one of my I just love it. I think it is so great for kids. So now let's talk about it. Talking with the text. So they are little symbols, but little symbols that have no meaning to kids are kind of boring, right? And so I created this when I taught fifth grade, but my third graders love it too. And so I did like texting terms. So like, for example, a heart emoji and then um, LOL for funny, laugh out loud for... I think that was for funny or rolling on the floor laughing is for funny. Anywho, uh, I do TWT for talking with the text. I even have like a little book that they can draw if they want. So when I first roll it out, and especially for primary teachers, so if you're a primary teacher, make sure you're listening to this part of how I roll it out. I start with one symbol, a class period. It takes a while to get through all of it but I really want them to understand the why and how to apply it effectively. Because if you're just telling them to put symbols here, put symbols there, they don't even understand why they're doing it. So we slow down and I, of course, as always, use picture books and I model it for the students. And in the resource, there's a sheet where I print it out and I have the kids write exactly what I'm writing. So I tell them, this is what I expect from you. To do this well, this is what I need from you. And it's great to see the kids who can rise to it right away, but it's even better to see the kids who at first, they're not there yet, but by the time they keep practicing and they keep doing it, they become reading, annotating rock stars. So it's great. And so we do the heart first, because that's the easiest one. So I'll show, I'll read them a picture book and I'll show them 
how to use a heart one. Now, when I do this in centers or we do this together when we're annotating like a classic news article, I have the sheet that they can annotate on, but I usually let them use post-it notes because anytime you put a post-it note in front of a child, you have just become their hero. I mean, can I get an amen, right? So one time I had this little girl and she was like, can we please use post-it notes? If we use post-it notes, I will try my hardest. And I just love that. And I said, yes, honey, go get the post-it notes, pass them out. And it really just made an impact on me that you use post-it notes, they will work 20 times harder. So use all the post-it notes, people. Now, you might be asking, okay, so they put a symbol, now what? So yes, they put a symbol and then you scaffold it. So for your readers who are not there yet, you let them just put a heart. And then sometimes you have just a conversation, like why did you put the heart? And sometimes you just leave it at, you put a heart, you did your work, can I get a hand clap, right? Which, by the way, one of my instructional tools in my classroom, when somebody does something really well, I'll say, can they get a hand clap? And then the kids go, I have to sing it again to get the rhythm, but I go, can they get a hand clap? And then they go, <laughs> and it's so fun, and the kids love it, so I'll say, can they get a hand clap? Then for the next level of the cake will be, okay, you can put a heart for your favorite. Now I want you to tell me why it's your favorite part. And then they do that. For the last layer, it's, okay, write the sentence down, put the symbol, why, and then reflect on it. What I normally do for that one is that's more of a vocal piece than a writing piece. Or sometimes if I wanna get like a quick little assessment in, I'll have my students, I'll say, okay, tell me your favorite part, write it down, and then tell me why it's your favorite part, and then um, like how does it relate to you, or why did you think that? And so we really get those deeper level thinking skills in. And here's what I tell a lot of teachers who reach out to me. They say, well, can I do this in second grade? Can I do this in first grade? Y'all, you can do it in any grade because you can make it adaptive to what your kids need. That's what makes a good teacher. Being able to say, okay, I really want to push this kid. I really want to scaffold for this child. I really want to do all the things for this child. And it really is effective when you can do that. And so I think using my talking with the text helps kids know how to think about their thinking, which is such a wonderful skill they have to know. A lot of kids, they're really great at saying, okay, here's this character in the story, here's what happened. But when you start digging into that how and that why, they all kind of freeze like, oh gosh, I don't know what to do. So if you teach them early, if you teach them in first grade, second grade, third grade and up, and you teach them at their level and you make mountains move and you have confetti moments. So the picture books that I usually use for this lesson are, oh gosh, okay, what do I use? I use so many that I can't remember. Oh, okay, the first one I use is A Bad Case of Stripes. 
I use that one because the kids can relate to it because, oh yeah, here's the thing. When you do this, you want to pick picture books that the kids can relate to and that they understand because then they're going to thrive when they have to start thinking about, well, why did that happen? Why was that my favorite part? Let me predict what's going to happen next. I get really frustrated and I'm totally going to go on a totally different tangent right now, but I get very frustrated when kids have to take assessments that are assessing a certain skill that they've practiced, that they know how to do really well, but then you give them a story that the kids are going to have no clue about. For example, not going to name any publishers or anything, but my students had to read this article about a weaver. What third grader knows what a weaver is? I need to have a moment of silence for that comment because, I mean, for real. So I use a bad case of stripes. I also use Thelma the Unicorn. And if you didn't know, the new one just came out called Return of the Unicorn. Return of, I think, Thelma the Unicorn. It's really cute. I actually talked about that on my Instagram a couple days ago. Um, let's see, what other books do I use? The Night Gardener, I use a lot. And then, ooh, one I use for science, I use this one in fifth grade. We did Salt Boy, I think is the title. Ooh, that one's really good to talk about the three states of matter. And I use talking with the text in science, in social studies. Not really in math, but you probably could. And then in reading. But I really feel that if you do it in all aspects. Now, when I say that, please take that with a grain of salt, because if you do it over and over and over and over again, the kids are going to get burned out and then it's not going to be effective anymore. So definitely do it once in a while, have it as a center, maybe have it once a week in your reading block, but don't have them do it for everything because it's too much. And when I first started teaching reading, I thought, okay, I have to teach all the standards. I have to teach character. I have to teach inferencing. I have to teach annotation. I have to teach me an idea. Hold on. No, you don't. Pick one reading strategy and focus on that one and dive deep and help the kids get better. I think that is something that a lot of reading teachers would say is a great tip to give new teachers, to give any teacher who's teaching reading, because teaching reading is hard. I'll be honest, I came from teaching one set of kids in one level to now my classroom has many levels and I'm trying to meet all of their needs and I'm one person and sometimes it can be difficult. You know what, not sometimes, I mean it's difficult like every day and I love reading and I love finding activities and all the things and books for those kids but it's a lot of work. So. Definitely don't beat yourself up on don't beat yourself up on it. Take time to kind of think about what do your kids need right now and focus on that. I will tell you though, one thing they definitely need is annotating because they need to be thinking about their reading and they need to be making those connections to become better readers. Like I've said in so many different platforms on podcasts, on my Instagram, on my blog. If you can get kids to love to read when it's easy, they will thrive when it's not easy or when it's boring. That is why I have such a mission to open the magic 
in all of your classrooms and to teach you how to make reading engaging, fun, and worth it for the kids. Honestly, if I could go into each of your classrooms and open the magic with your students, I would be living my best life because I see what it does in my room. I see how my kids are thriving readers because I make it a priority to show them that reading is a must and every kid can find a book that matches what they want to learn about. Something that I'm actually going to be starting in the new year is I'm going to have a little mailbox in my classroom. I'm so pumped about it, um, where my students can say, Miss Hinshaw, I really want you to read a picture book about this. And I'm going to go to my public library. I'm going to go to my school library. I'm going to go on the Amazon. I'm going to go to local bookstores. I'm going to look into my Open the Magic headquarters, and I'm going to find those books because I want my kids to love reading even more than they already do. It's really that simple. You just have to put in the time and the effort to make your kids be the best readers they can be, right? Okay, well, I'm so excited that I got to hang out with you today. We talked about talking with the text, getting your kids to analyze, to annotate reading, because that is what's going to make them better readers. Now, promise me, you will not do this for every piece of reading you do. Sometimes you just have to read for fun. You know what? I want to give you a challenge. Tomorrow, when you go into your classroom, I want you to pick a picture book, any picture book, and I want you to just read it for fun in your room. Don't ask any questions at the end. Don't have them write an essay. Don't have them take a test on it. Just read it for fun. I mean, you can ask the kids, did they like the story? You can ask them if they want you to do it again tomorrow, but just let them enjoy reading. And when you do that, bring them down to the carpet. Build community while you're teaching them the power and the magic that's inside a book. Every morning, I read a picture book to my class and we sit on the carpet. I call it chocolate chip cookies. So they're all jumbled up in a little like cute little area. I have this yellow and white chair that I sit in and I'm going to do a whole podcast on this. So stay tuned. But we sit and we just learn together. I don't know what I would do in my life without picture books. And I will tell you right now, so many books are coming out that our world needs and our kids need because the world is hard and the world Sometimes it's unexplainable and things happen and kids don't understand and we don't understand, but we read these books and it brings us hope. And that's really special. So with that, I want you to open the magic in your classroom tomorrow. I want you to help your kids annotate. And remember, you start with one annotation symbol a week. For the older kids, you could probably do three in one setting. And then there's 12, but if you teach them correctly, it will help you in the long run. All right, it was such a pleasure hanging out with you today. I can't wait to open the magic with you more. 
All right, it is now time for Confetti Rapid Fire. So every time I have a guest on my show, including myself, I am gonna ask some random questions. Now, it's kind of fun because the questions that I'm gonna ask my guests, I know which ones I'm gonna ask. They don't know, but I know. But for these ones, I don't know what I'm gonna ask myself until literally I'm standing right here recording this episode and I think, oh, that's kind of a fun question. So the first question I'm gonna do today is, what is your favorite color? My favorite color is yellow. It used to be red until last year and then I made the official change to yellow. Okay, um, let's see, what's my next question gonna be? Oh, question two, what is your favorite breakfast food? Okay, so I'm a creature of habit. So, okay, don't judge me, but I'm gonna just tell you. So on Monday, I have two eggs and sweet potato toast. And then Tuesday through Friday, I have two eggs, two pieces of bacon, and fruit. And then Saturdays and Sundays, I have chia seed pudding. If you've never had it, it is um, chia seed. And I put a cup of almond milk, one-fourth cup of chia seed, a spoonful of almond butter, and I whisk it on the stove. And then I add fresh fruit pecans, yes, I say pecans, not pecans, and cinnamon, and sometimes pumpkin spice. So that is legit what I have every day. I mean, you guys, I used to eat half of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, not peanut butter and jelly, peanut butter and banana, a string cheese, apples, yogurt, honey nut wheat, or honey pretzels, honey wheat pretzels, and a diet Dr. Pepper for like eight years every day of my life. So I don't like change when it comes to food. All right, the next question is, who was your third grade teacher? So I had two third grade teachers. I grew up in Danville, California, and in Danville I had Mr. Dickieson, and then I lived um, in Westlake, and I had Mrs. Breslaw, and I did this otter, sea otter report in third grade that I still have and I show my kids every year my Seattle report. One day I'll have to post it on the gram so you can see it. And the last question, what is something you cannot live without? And it would be a water bottle. I have to have water wherever I go. Just got to have it. So, all right. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to learn more about me, you can go to my Instagram at Ramona Recommends. You can email me at RamonaRecommends at gmail.com or you can go to my blog, which is Ramona.com. It was so much fun hanging out with you. And as always, open.